just make a movie together. Nicolas Cage's movie career was over a couple years ago. He just like wasn't mm -hmm. popular anymore. And now he's sort of back. Like he's in a couple movies now. It, like it seems like it's he went into the underground. He had this book of the dead and he opened it and he made a deal with the ghosts that came out. And that's how he resurrected his career. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. I this love will be it. fun to animate. We're going to have to animate these ones. Motion brush is a new tool that was released from Runway. It's really cool. You're able to like select a brush and then um, you color over areas that you want to move and then you're able to tell what kind of movement you want to have. Ooh. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Look, Nick Cage kind of like leans in too. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> Hey, I want to just take a quick break from this episode to tell you about a podcast you should know about. It's hosted by Nathan LeBenz, who's actually on this show and did one of the most popular episodes we've ever had about how to use AI as a co-pilot for the mind. Nathan hosts a podcast called The Cognitive Revolution, where he interviews builders at the edge of AI and discusses the profound shifts that it will unlock over the next decade. He talks to the researchers and entrepreneurs that are shaping this moment, like Logan Kilpatrick of OpenAI, who I interviewed for the show as well, Eugenia Kudia of Replica, and Suhail Doshi of Playground. To listen to the show, search for Cognitive Revolution in your podcast player. All right, now let's get back to how do you use ChatGPT. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan, for having me. Of course. Uh, so for people who don't know, you are a film director and a commercial director. You work with a bunch of uh, big brands like HP, Intel, and Google. You've been a film director for a long time in the traditional movie in industry. Um, and uh, you are also a prolific AI filmmaker. Um, you had uh, a short recently that came out or a short film recently that came out called borrowing time which went really viral it's based on your father's life um and i saw it and i was like oh my god this is actually good um and i just wanted to have you on the show to talk about how you do that no um that's that's awesome and, and yeah th again thanks for having me um yeah we can we can kind of dive into to that short and and then how that was part of my my father's upbringing but yeah it came from a personal place so it's cool to see something that's not like harry potter or star wars Go viral, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Mr. Anderson, you have been found guilty of the charge of first-degree murder. I didn't protect my mother, and now I hurt my own legacy. Okay, so tell me, tell me about Borrowing Time. Like, what is it about? How is it conceptualized? Let's start there. Yeah, so it was actually... Um... A story that my father told me, I mean, I was, I was growing up, um, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm mixed, you know, my mother's Korean, my father's black. Um, so, you know, obviously he, you know, he's in his seventies now. So he grew up kind of during the segregation era and like Jim Crow laws and stuff like that. So he, he was telling me the story about when he was, uh, I think he was around 12 or 13. He had uh, winked or, or whistled uh, at a white woman inside of like a convenience store. And um, he got in real severe trouble for it. Um, he didn't go to prison, but uh, I think that following year or something, someone was either murdered or, or went to, to, to prison for or got life in prison for what people believe, you know, falsely uh, having something to do with the disappearance of, of, of a white woman. So mm. it just goes to show like wrong place, wrong time. Like, mm. you know, that could have been, you know, it could have been my father that, that went to jail for the rest of his life. And then mm. the story, you know, because I'm such a, a huge sci-fi nerd, I was like, man, if that, if my father ended up going to jail um, and I was able to, you know, if I was a lawyer in the present uh, tense, and I was able to go back in time and like represent him in court. Like, that's a cool story. Uh, mm. I haven't ever seen that before. Um, and like, you know, the power of AI allows me to visualize it because, you know, if you try to go pitch out to Hollywood, they're going to say, eh, period piece, eh, no, 
she been there, done that. Like, and plus you're, you're not, you're not Steven Spielberg. So sorry, you're not going to make that movie. But I think because of AI, I'm able to visualize it, um, you know, in a really cool way. And like that, that got on mm-hmm. Forbes, you know, it's like, that's a little story, a sci-fi, um, you know, period piece that, you know, people, some executives might, might yawn at it in, in a room if you're trying to pitch it, but because right. you can visualize it, they might look at it differently now. That is really interesting. Uh, and do you think of, cause I was going to ask you like why you made this with AI, but it, it's, the answer is like pretty obvious, but do you think mm-hmm. of this as a, uh, as a way to get those people or funders interested? Like, is it a leg into making a traditional movie with this concept? Or do you think of it as a, a totally separate thing with a separate arc and you're kind of just focused on making AI stuff? I um, mean, you know, because I'm a filmmaker, uh, you know, traditional filmmaker first, uh, absolutely. Everything that I create, it's an IP, it's an extension of my creative ideas that I have in a notebook. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and I will say that, yes, uh, this, and I think the one that I did called Dismal Swamp, I don't know if you saw that one, you know, that has gotten the attention of, of pretty A-level uh, producers mm-hmm. and execs in Hollywood. Um, so it works, right? The purpose of it was to, for Dismal Swamp, it was to create a, a little one minute uh, sizzle or ripomatic, if you will, using AI generated footage. If you think about traditionally in Hollywood, a lot of directors will take pieces from other directors' movies and cut together like a sizzle to pitch an idea. But like AI, I took my script, I fed my script into the prompts, and I made it based on all the stuff that was in my head. And like, couldn't do that uh, five years ago, three years ago. And, and that's, it's, I mean, that's incredible. This is what you're making me think of is like, this has actually happened before in like writing, for example, mm-hmm. um, like the, this, the, this is done in writing, but it's like with like tweets, like people started tweeting and, and then that was a way to like test out what articles you, you would write or your, the articles that you write on your blog are tests mm-hmm. for like books. Um, and they're like super cheap. You can do them uh, pretty quickly, like much more quickly than you can write an entire book, which takes years. Um, and there's no gatekeeper. Like you just throw it online. And if it works, like then maybe you get the book deal or whatever, or maybe you just self-publish because you don't need the gatekeeper anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And it sort of strikes me that 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 wasn't as available. It ha- probably has been available to some degree in indie filmmaking, like because you can make a lot of stuff with just a camera and, and yourself. But there's a lot of stuff you just can't do um, because you don't have actors and special effects or whatever. But it strikes me that this um, these this new set of tools makes that kind of thing available for a wider range of short films that can act as um, precursors to like larger, better funded projects uh, in the same way that tweets or blog posts are precursors to books. Like these could be pre- precursors to films is kind of what I'm getting from you. And like, I never thought of that. And I think that's really amazing. And by film, I mean like feature length movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Um, a prime example is um, you might've saw, uh, it was like a hybrid live action AI film that I was working on called another uh, that went viral on Christmas day. Yeah. Okay. So that's an idea of like, you know, what I think is like the, the immediate next step with AI in Hollywood is live action and, and mixing that with like a stable diffusion model to create visual effects. And we're in the middle of, uh, I'm actually going to be releasing that um, at the runway AI film festival at the end of the month. So I'm, you know, rush, rush, rushing to the finish line to, to get the effects done. And, and I'm not going to lie. It's, it's not easy. It's been a nightmare, right? Trying to figure out how to make stable diffusion look like and work with footage that you shot on like an Ari or on a Sony Venice. Like it needs to match the, the, the the fidelity. And I'm working with, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the, what I think one of the top VFX supervisors in Hollywood, he did John wick three, 
He did um, like the conjuring. Uh, he's and he's helping me do the visual effects using you know the stable diffusion setup. So again, it, it's a all learning process, and we're figuring it out as we go. But it, it's still very exciting. And exactly what you said, we're able to test the waters with these techniques. And and horror is perfect for for that type of thing. If you think about like Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity, it's always like a horror film that like creates a new subgenre um, sometimes. So. It's, it's interesting. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. What what subgenre did like Blair Witch Project create? Uh, it, I mean, it made the found footage genre huge, right? There was like a, maybe one or two films before it that no one ever saw, but when Blair Witch came out, it was like, oh, that was a thing, and then obviously that led to Paranormal Activity. And what is found footage? Is it like pre-existing footage from some other project or something else? Yeah, it's kind of like it's like that handheld style. Like there's movies like VHS that came out where you know, you, yeah, it has like a that DV tape look. That's, when I think about found footage, it's always like a Blair Witch or a Paranormal Activity because it's like, yeah, these tapes were collected by authorities and they they edited it together and I found see. this. Yeah, I know. see. So it's not mm-hmm. like necessarily found footage isn't necessarily like pre-existing film from somewhere else, but it just looks like it was. It looks like it was collected by someone else and it wasn't intended to be shown exactly yeah that's that's the style of it yeah that's really interesting okay i love that and i guess like i have to ask the obvious question which is um there's so much backlash i think particularly in a community that you're a part of and and really familiar with which is like traditional filmmaking um, and a lot of worry about um ai tools and how it how it will change who gets to make films or, or what films get made or who gets paid or there's just a lot of questions and I'm curious, like how you decided to sort of jump into this um, versus not. Yeah, no. Again, I think it it was a, it was a little bit of necessity. Um, it was a little bit of of seeing a lane. You know, being a person of color. I'm not going to lie. I mean, of course, there's a brilliant um, black filmmakers and and female filmmakers that are winning or getting nominated for Oscars or, or should be getting nominated for Oscars. But you know, there's still it's there, there's still a small amount of people, like especially in the sci-fi horror space. If you say, "Oh yeah, I want to be a I want to be a horror director." Oh yeah, like like Jordan Pill. That's what everyone always says when you're a black person and you say, "I want to be a horror director." So that just tells you that there's not enough. Um, and, and I think um, for me, you know, my argument to anyone, and, and I have you know big time director films and uh, big time film director friends and, and and writers, and and they um they're starting to come around. They're starting to kind of see the the positivity in it and, and how it could really enhance and give people opportunities and storytellers opportunities that might not have. You know, the opportunity, like I think about, you know, if you're like a, you know, if you're like a white kid from Arkansas, like who loves making films in your backyard, but you don't have like, you know, the connections, like you have a chance. If you're a, a black uh, kid from the, you know, from the hood, like you know, that's how I grew up. You have a chance. Like everyone has a chance to create something incredible. And that's what's really cool to me. Um, and then, you know, I, I was able to speak to SAG directly, which was um, <laughs> an interesting moment. I was like talking to the board of directors uh, through my friend, Rob. Uh, he was giving a webinar on just the difference of like uh, CGI versus AI because there was a there was a whole thing about digital doubles and you know is AI going to replace me as an actor? And while I can't like answer that truly and and, and really know the answer, I do know that AI is going to be kind of used kind of how CGI is used. Like you'll you'll use AI to create large stadiums of crowds and 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 digital doubles of people, but it's all going to be with consent. And people, I believe, people should get paid for their likeness and all that. So. Yes. So kind of to circle back on your bigger question is I think AI is the best opportunity for anyone if they want to become a creator or a filmmaker or an artist and create something that can be seen on a large scale. You have a great chance if you use some of these AI tools. I love that. I mean, it's so interesting because it's so in line with with things that I've felt and seen just in different um, 
uh, different areas of the world. Um, and I didn't realize how directly it applied to filmmaking, but it obviously does. Like one of the things that I see a lot is AI changes who can make software. Um, like it, it dramatically expands the, the territory of people who are able to build stuff because it can program for you. Um, and I think the same thing, it seems to be true here, like, um, the cost and the, and the level of skill maybe to get started with building, just a, a, making a, a very, very small video clip just went down tremendously. And obviously it requires a lot of skill to like build that into something that people want to see, but, um, it doesn't require that much money. And like, for me, I, we were talking about this in the, in the production call previous, uh, b- before we started this show. And like, I loved, I so wanted to make movies when I was a kid. Like I, I got this, like, I had this like Lego set, this like Lego Steven Spielberg Jurassic park thing that like came with a camera and you had, you could have the little actors and it was sort of like a, almost a stop motion animation thing. And I was like, so into it, but you couldn't make anything good. And so then I got into like, 3d modeling and i was like trying to make a pixar type thing but that didn't really work because it was like at that time you know you have to be a freaking genius to like make an actual 3d animated movie in like the mid 2000s and um and so then i started making software because like software especially business software you can like you know it's just easy to make forms that people fill out and pay money with a credit card which i love i mean it's, it's a really an amazing like part of my life but honestly like i think if a lot of the ai like filmmaking tools had been available, I would probably be making movies. And I think it's so amazing that like people now, anyone can just like go make a movie and it doesn't require that much money. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. I mean, especially I think for my, you know, I have, I have children, young children and you know, they're very, they're artists and they're, they have great imaginations. Like I was just using chat BT, uh, chat GPT the other day to like uh, come up with a, a bedtime story on the fly for my son, like he, he's obviously big into Spider-Man and Venom. And so I created a story really quickly, like help me create a story with my son who's five and he wants to work with Venom to fight this guy. And it was like, I did it really fast. And it was like, you know, it was like 9 PM. So like I was on the fly, like how can I get my kid to, to sleep? And he loved it, man. And like, but it's like that little thing right there. Like you couldn't do that before you would just, you know, struggle to get your kid to bed or now they can go to bed happy and, and you can create any kind of story you want, even for small things like that, which is cool. That's so cool. I guess I'm curious. Um, what would you? What do you consider the new tool set for making AI films, and how does that differ from like the the traditional one? Like, what what tools and programs are like part of the like the new workflow that that you're working off of? Yes, it's interesting because I honestly, I honestly think from what I'm seeing personally, personally is that like I'm still using a lot of the old tool set, but I'm actually now figuring out how to work them into this new pipeline, this new production workflow. Like, you know, stable diffusion has been out for years, but it's like, it's, it's now I'm able to hone it in and use it for a specific purpose. What I think would work for live action. Uh, Same thing with animated uh, animation, right? You have animate diff, you have stuff like warp fusion, which, you know, a lot of people are creating some amazing animations. And like, I honestly think the first feature length film will be an animated film, like a Pixar type film, completely done in AI might even get the trailer for it this year. Uh, that's how fast this stuff is moving. Um, cause I can totally see like, like any of these diffusion models able to allow it. Cause I mean, and the thing is like these guys who really know how to use it, they're not like, they're not storytellers first. A lot of them are just tech wizards. And, and, but when they, when they start getting together with like the me's and the other kind of like person, people who have stories, it's going to be game over. I mean, you're going to have so many amazing things coming out and I, I'm like, I'm super excited for that. I love it. I love it. One of the things I'm like really fascinated by is how the new, 
the new powers and the new limitations of a new tool shape the like kind of or the form of the art or the form of work that can mm -hmm. get made and i think there's lots of examples like this through history and i'm kind of curious about that for um the sort of ai film age you know like I i'm noticing things like for example it seems like runway which is the the main kind of way to generate a, a clip um for, take an image and turn it into like a video clip mm -hmm. um it only generates like I don't know, two or three seconds at most, something like that. And so I'm seeing a lot of these AI films, including yours, like you have these like couple second shots and then it cuts to another one and it cuts to another one. And maybe there's also like, it's harder to make the characters as continuous through each different shot. And so the, the kinds of stories you can tell that, that pushes you in a specific kind of storytelling direction. It creates rules for what the, what the medium is. And I'm sure it's like still really early and these tools are going to get better, but I'm kind of curious, like, what are the rules for like what you can make with AI right now? No, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, there are limitations, right? Um, I think four seconds is runway currently. I know Pika Labs, you can extend it up to 15 seconds, I believe. But, you know, you're, you're, that's uncharted territory because you're kind of going to lose some fidelity uh, a lot of the time. So what I try to do is I, I like, I use a, a tool called Topaz Labs. And what I do is I bring in like a runway clip I not only export it out at 4K or 8K sometimes, but I'll also change the frame rate. So if you get a 24 frames per second clip, I'll turn it into 60 frames, 60 frames per second, sometimes 120. And then you can extend the clip. So if it's like a, like for my sci-fi, like borrowing time is a great example of like the, the scene where, you know, all the, it's very, it, Oppenheimer was a, a huge reference, but just like the way the time travel scenes were happening and the lights were kind of whipping around, like, you know, I, I, I did a high frame rate um, generation and then I slowed it down in post. So, and then sped it up. So what I'm able to do is make clips last longer and then mix that with quicker cut uh, clips. So it actually makes the storytelling and, and filmmaking more, more like something we're used to seeing on TV. Like I always think about like uh, the, 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 the Tony Scott type films like man on fire, where there was always like these kind of quick uh, cuts or like, um, or Snyder with 300 and, and, and Dawn of the dead, like, those are some of my favorite films, but I also, I love how they did the editing. And I think editing is a huge piece of my type of filmmaking with AI is I'm able to tell a story and not have to use just three second clip after three second clip. Sometimes you'll get an eight second clip because I slowed it down. Then you'll get a one second clip. And I use that cadence to, to help tell it. You know? I see. So I think what you're saying is, and I can't, I, I, I kind of missed the tool that you said at the beginning, maybe Topaz Labs. Is that the mm -hmm. thing that is ch changing the frame rate? So it, it makes the clip slower or faster. Yep. Yeah. So basically, I guess what you're saying is, yes, there are these specific things like runway is only exporting four second clips, but you're doing different things to lengthen or shorten the clips so that it's not just the same length of cut and that there's actually like a history that you're pulling from like, like 300 and Man on Fire, where d directors of traditional feature films are doing something similar. It's probably not exactly the same, but you're like taking inspiration from that and you can push push the AI to do something that is inspired by it. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's that maybe helps my stuff stand out sometimes a little bit more because it's it's not just, you know, three second clip after three second clip after three second clip. Another thing also is um, like there's tools like Eleven Labs where you can generate AI voices and some of them are incredible. But a lot of people tend to use the ones that sound like AI, right? But now they have this whole speech to speech, which I used in borrowing time. It was actually, I think it might've been in beta when I used it because they just announced it, but I can talk and act out 
how I want the, you know, like, like the judge, the white judge in the movie was my voice. It was just voice to voice, uh, using That's 11 labs. Amazing. Yeah. And the woman, the mother was my voice. And then obviously the voiceover was just my plain voice. Cause I just, I, I just thought it sounded better and more natural to have like the natural pauses and the things like that. So I mixed That's it together. That's really cool. Okay, so I didn't even realize that that was a thing. So you basically you acted the whole the whole movie yourself, and you 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 used um, Eleven Labs's voice to voice model to change it into different characters. I didn't know that that was a thing. That's that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it, dude, it's awesome. <laughs> Think about animated films. You could do like all the weird characters, like just because you know you. And sometimes, yeah, it's not perfect, but you kind of hear it in your head. And for these yeah. shorter films, it's like. Why not have edit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's amazing. Okay, cool. Well, I, what I'd love to do is, you know, a lot of this show is us using, uh, seeing how people use ChatGPT and us using it together. And like what, what we plan to, to do is just make a movie together. And it probably won't be like a full movie, but like make a clip from a movie together and sort of see what this process is like. And I think... Um, What's really interesting is you're actually using ChatGPT as, um, and, and particularly like a custom GPT to help you ideate. And I know this is sort of like a new part of your process, but it's it's something, mm -hmm. something that you're doing. And so maybe you can start by telling us what this GPT is and, and how you use it. We can start there and then we can sort of go into exploring making movies. No, absolutely. Um, and, and I think I mean, I'm still heavily in mid journey and then sometimes stable diffusion with a lot of my image outputs, but. I'm just, I fell in love with this idea of, of creating a, a version of my own text to, to image generator. I'm obviously it's using, you know, the Dali uh, platform and it's building on top of it. But what you're able to do, which is incredible, is really fine tune it to the type of imagery you like to create. And, it, and, and you don't have to pigeonhole it to like just being like live action type imagery. You know, you can make it as, as vast as you want, but you're able to almost create a mentor out of it. So it's a combination of my opinions, combination of maybe what Steven Spielberg might look for in imagery, what really Scott might look for in imagery. Um, you know, it's really because, you know, you can use ChatGPT and, and kind of tell it to be anything, um, but you can constantly just tune it. And I'm still tuning it. It's still new. So it's not perfect, but. But it's good to me. It's, it works for me because I'm able. I do have a certain look to a lot of my stuff, and I know like Dolly uh, traditionally hasn't given me the outputs that I prefer or like when I like versus like a mid journey. But but now because I'm starting to really fine tune it, now I'm starting to get imagery that's like wow, that's on par with what I'm getting from like a mid journey or stable diffusion. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at now. Still toying with it, but I mean, what what an incredible tool. Okay. It's crazy. Cool. Should we should we demo that and maybe start there and then we can, you know, yeah. uh, how, how do you start? How do you start with this? Like, when are you when are you jumping in into it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I jump into it right away because yeah, obviously it's a it's a image generation or text to image generation tool. But I can also talk to it like, uh, you know, to get ideas. I can talk to it like it's almost like a mentor. So, yeah, let's see. What, what would you like to prompt? Well, let's think about it. Like, OK, so what kind of what kind of movie do we want to make wow i gotta think about that's that. a good question so on a previous episode of the show we um we built this game with ChatGPT called the allocator and the game was um basically this you could play the president of any historical era um and uh you would start and you would be basically on you it, it starts with inauguration day and uh, you get to make decisions as the president and you basically set the budget for the U.S. government and then the game plays out your decisions 
and um and then you know you know you play jfk during the 60s and you decide whether to fund going to the moon or or not like all that kind of stuff got it and um uh we could do something that's sort of that's sort of based on that uh one of the one of the interesting things about that um about that game is we had a lot of nicholas cage cameos um because <laughs> chat gpt like generated this image for the gpt that it just looked so much like the it just looked like national treasure it was giving us national na uh national treasure vibes and we were like um, i guess there's going to be some nick nick cage cameos in this game so i don't know if that gives you anything any ideas for uh for ideas to to do but maybe we can throw that <laughs> throw that in there and see what comes out yeah nicholas cage is always there's always awesome epic imagery <laughs> whenever you prompt him um we could we could i mean yeah Give me, give me, give me an idea. Let's see what happens. We'll just start. There. Okay. Um, I want to do, I want to do, uh, um, Nicholas Cage getting sworn in as president. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, ideally it's like, it's raining, you know, it's like sort of dark, um, it's like okay. gritty, like noir vibes, maybe. And I don't know if that is on your aesthetic, so you can tell me, and and maybe the GPT will will correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Um, I, I'm trying to think about like in what situation um, Nicholas Cage would ever become president. Um, and I guess, given who our previous president was, it's not maybe not that uh, <laughs> surprising, but. Um, Interesting. So you're saying create an image of Nicholas Cage getting sworn in as president. The image should be cinematic and gritty in the style of David, Fil the David Fincher film seven. Cool. I think that could help, right? All right. Well, that, that could help. Is there any, do you think there should, we should add anything else into the scene um, aside from him getting sworn in as president? Or, or would you just start with something like this? Like how would you, how would you do it? I, yeah, I kind of start just brass tacks, simple, and then we just refine it from there. Like, okay, or cool. add the, you, you've seen those things on Instagram, add this in, now do this, now do yeah. that. Yeah. So let's see. And uh, this is the first time Blazing GPT has ever been seen publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's Blazing because I'm black and Asian, by the way. That's what they, that's what we call ourselves. <laughs> All right, okay. Here we go. Never before seen before. I don't Never know what it's going to do. We're doing it live, folks. <laughs> it's called a top tier image generator. So it better show up. <laughs> And so you had it, one interesting thing is you're having it go right into generating an image. Like you're not having it like sort of ideate with you necessarily and saying like, well, what do we, what do, we do this or what do we do that? It's like just right to the visual. How did you make that decision? Um, just because, I, because I've already trained it on a lot of those conversations. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to do, uh, I forgot to do 16.9. I'm getting, um, I'm getting Nicolas Cage is in Harry Potter, <laughs> um, but like... <laughs> But uh, but it's for some reason we're in the in the in the wizard court like the wizard gamut you know so it's it's not necessarily inauguration vibes but I'm not mad about it either it's kind of interesting it got the seven vibe down right yeah I mean, you got the <laughs> film you have the film grain you got the harsh perfume lighting which is always funny because I I watched the behind the scenes of seven and that was what the DP said he was like Fincher told me to watch a bunch of perfume ads like we wanted to create that like that noir like just like you said where it was like. Whites are really white and blacks are really black. And that's, that's exactly what it did. Wait, yeah. What is what is perfume lighting? Is that that that's related to perfume ads? 
perfume ads back in like the 80s and early 90s were very dramatic. So it was mm. very like high contrast. Um, almost felt black and white, but there was always like a splash, a wash of color, which is how Seven looks. Got it. Um, but interesting. Okay, so let's build on this. One thing I want to do is I want to make it 16.9. What is 16.9? Um, that's a widescreen. So that's what okay. you're used to seeing in like, a, or 2.1. I usually do 2.1 or 16.9, but we'll do 16.9 so it's a little bigger. Okay. And what is, do you know what the aspect ratio of this one is? This is one to one. Okay. So this is like your Instagram square, I square see. look, which I is a, okay. your default. You can actually, I forgot to go in, but you can actually change it. So it always, the first image is 16. Now you don't have to prompt it. Okay, cool. Um, so what it's, changes do we want to make besides that? Well, I'm curious, like, I mean, I can, I can certainly give you some, give you some input, <laughs> but uh, I'm curious how you would think about it like help me help me guide me through like how i would think about what changes i might want to make or what i should be thinking about or seeing yeah so i think for what you want to say it's missing some core pieces you know you talked about it doesn't feel very inaugural doesn't feel like it's in dc um so i think like where would this take place typically well i mean it's got to be kind of on the mall in front of the capitol right I'm pretty yeah. sure that's that's where it, that's where it happens. I am sort of, and I'm curious what what you think. Like, there's, you know, this is a mistake, obviously, but then mm -hmm. it's also I'm also like oh, I'm kind of intrigued. Like, this is like, <laughs> what did Nicolas Cage do to end up in this situation? Like, he looks like he's in a court, you know. And um, well, we could go down that rabbit hole. We kind of could. I'm curious. Like, do you see anything here where you're like, like, you know? It looks like he's like, it almost, it feels like he's in a church. <laughs> this is like some culty underground, like, like what did he get himself into? Like, it kind of gives me John Wick vibes a little bit too. Yeah. It's the cult of cage and he's got like, what's he, what's he holding? Is that a Bible or like what's in his hand? You know? <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, could we, we could ask chat, we could ask Blazing GPT. <laughs> Let's ask. Let's, Let's ask. ask before we change the aspect ratio. <laughs> what is the book? That... <laughs> Nicholas, this is fun. I don't really is do it fun? like this. Yeah. <laughs> what is the book this cage is holding <laughs> in his hand? <laughs> okay. Interesting. Okay. ChatGPT's playing it straight, playing it straight with us. Just a, it's just a Bible or the constitution. What um, do we say? But, but what if the book was, <laughs> it almost reminds me of the book from evil dead. Did you ever see that movie? No. What is it? <laughs> uh, it's uh evil dead. Is that that film where it's like the, 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 that cursed book of death is like when you read a, a thing from it, it like causes all these evil spirits to show up. <laughs> I love that. It's cool. Yeah. It's he's holding the cursed book of death and He's going to open it. Um, okay, here's what it is. Here's what it is. Nicolas Cage's movie career was over a couple years ago. You know, he just, like, wasn't mm -hmm. popular anymore. And now he's sort of back. Like, he's in a couple movies now. It, like, it seems like it's... And I think that's how he did it. You know, he he went into the underground. He he had this book of Book of the Dead. And he opened it. And he made a deal with the ghosts that came out. And that's how he resurrected his career. Um, I, I feel like that could be it. Made a deal with the ghost, and he resurrected 
<laughs> this is going to be absurd. Resurrected his career. Show me the next scene. <laughs> and, and so is that something that you would do is like you, you find an image you like and then and then you, you do the next scene? Yeah. So if you think about well, well, so this is different here. So if I was in mid journey, you get like mm -hmm. the four variations and they mm -hmm. can go down each variation rabbit hole mm -hmm. and do more variations. So because you get one image, I typically like to say, okay, so what's what happened before this or what happens after this? If, like mm -hmm. I'm intrigued mm -hmm. and then, okay. um, and see what we get. Okay. Let's see what we get. And if you want to try it in mid journey too, like with a similar prompt, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of curious to see like what the differences are. When we get to the end of this story, we'll say, okay, now give us a few prompts to throw into mid-journey. Okay, sweet. And, and, and then we'll take it in there, yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what drove Nicholas to want to do this deal with the devil, right? Because, like, obviously, he's got enough money, mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I assume, right? So, like, I wonder what was going on in his life before this that created this situation such that he decided to end up in this dark cavernous place with the book of the dead in his hands. You know, it's a good, it's an interesting question. Ooh. Whoa. The next like scene that. falls with a figure resembling Nicolas Cage in the midst of a pivotal supernatural moment. <laughs> <laughs> he has opened the book of the dead, making a deal with the ethereal entities that surround him. Let's go watch. <laughs> This is amazing. I this love it. This will be it. fun to animate. We're going to have to animate these ones. These we awesome. have to. We have to. Look at that. I mean, this is this is national treasure, but like make it noir, make it dark, you know? Um, this I is like pretty it. incredible. And the fact that it's happening live on Blazing GPT, available <laughs> worldwide, maybe one day, is making me look good. Okay. This is pretty cinematic. This is great. <laughs> For sure. So the image that we're looking at uh, is Nicolas Cage in the middle of Supernatural Ghost. Um, it's, it's, it's illustrating atmospheric tension and the blend of the supernatural with a gritty cinematic cinematic style reminiscent of Dave Fincher's work. <laughs> the room is ancient and shadow filled, and it becomes the stage for this mythical pact, excuse me, mystical pact, where the boundaries between the realms of the living and the dead blur, making a dramatic resurrection of his career. <laughs> This must be what he did. This, if ChatGPT knows this, and this this has to be what happened. I mean, definitely. This is this is true, true to life for sure. And I did love you I love your delivery. You're really you're making it. <laughs> you got to narrate this for us. I love now, it. Now, now, yeah, I have to. Yeah, did you ever see Mandy that he did? It was an incredible no. film. No. Uh, oh man, it was. I think that film resurrected his career. I mean, but it was like a supernatural type film. So maybe some of this stuff happened. I mean, maybe uh, Mandy came from the ghosts. You know, maybe they gave him the the idea for it, or maybe, or yeah. Okay, let's let's think of a next place to go. Um, so after this, he's made the deal, and what does he have to do next? I feel like he has to like go do something crazy, like like drive to Vegas and like f find some relic to finalize the mm. finalize the spell. Mm. Interesting. Okay. That could be cool. Like, um, maybe as part of the deal, like you don't just open the books and the, and the yeah. ghosts do what you want. You have to like complete a mission for the ghosts in order to, in order to get them to help you with your Hollywood career. Um, so like what, what would the ghosts want, um, that is in Vegas? The ghosts demand that Nicolas Cage 
go to what's a weird haunted kind of hotel in Vegas? The Flamingo Hotel. <laughs> oh, the Flamingo. I was going to say, what's the Pyramid one again? Um, the oh, Luxor. Um, the, Lux- the Luxor's. Yeah. Luxor. That's got some go to interesting the Luxor. Vibes, yeah. Okay, go to Luxor and steal a relic, a cursed relic. Ooh, a cursed relic. Uh, that is hidden where? Underneath? I mean, I think it's it's got to be... Um, it's got to be a a special roulette ball, um, mm. and it's it's a it's a roulette ball that's being it's currently in use. But really, the roulette ball came from uh, I don't know I don't know where it came from. Um, I'm 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 like getting like some images of like the mob, like there's some mob murder or you know something to do with the <laughs> the roulette ball. But I'm I'm coming up empty. Uh, we could we could also ask ChatGPT what the um, even in That's another tab, what what could possibly be uh, uh, the backstory of the roulette ball or why the ghosts feel that it's important. Um, but uh, let's see, steal a cursed relic that is actually a roulette ball that is currently in the hands of the top mob boss. The top mob boss. Um, uh, Who's and now I'm thinking of Ocean's Eleven, like Terry from Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> What's his last name? Uh, I forgot. Um, Terry Ocean's Eleven. Uh, Terry Benedict. <laughs> or or Ruben, <laughs> either one. <laughs> now we're getting ridiculous. We'll just say who was Terry Benedict. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Show this image in sixteen nine. Sweet. <laughs> ratio i kind of want right. to get get one of the ball going around the um the roulette like the cursed roulette wall ball going okay, around yeah, the we'll, do, we'll do that that could be cool what i love about uh gbt which you can't really do in mid-journey i mean you can but it's not the same experiences you can really like you're like telling a story together and you're really detailed in your narration right you're mm-hmm. really just it's almost like you're sitting in a campfire by this person and you're literally just coming up it does remind you of being a kid right you know, it picking does. up a little VHS camera and just saying, let's make something silly. Totally. Um, it's really cool. Whoa. Wow. Wow. That's pretty, pretty incredible imagery. <laughs> <laughs> it's the casino has like the, the banks of the, of the casino. It almost looks like computer monitors. Like, like it's a casino where mm. they're sending him to the moon or something, but it's like a casino like the control um, panel. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I really love the face, all the faces and stuff, like the kind of pharaoh face imagery. I don't even know if that's in the Luxor or not, but it's pretty cool. Okay, so, you know, ChatGPT has a mind of its own sometimes. <laughs> but uh, let's ask for, okay, let me actually let me put this in. For now on, all images will be 16-9 ratio, so I don't have to keep adding that. Okay, so I guess, like, what's, what's next? Like, um, do we, do we do you want to keep going with this? Do we hop into mid journey? Like what's your, what's your next step in your process? Usually now that you've got a couple frames of something that's like looking like a story, do you, do you want to keep going with finishing the story yeah, we'll or do, how does it work? Yeah, we don't have to finish it, but let, let's do your last shot of the roulette ball. Oh yeah. Cool. Let's do Show that. Show an image of the cursed roulette <laughs> ball spinning around the roulette wheel on a table in Vegas. This is making me think of there's a there's a episode in the last season of The Sopranos where Tony goes to Vegas and he does peyote. 
and um, oh yeah, they're playing roulette, and he's like, it's going around the 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 ball, and he's like, it's the same principle as as the the planets orbiting the sun in the universe. It's the same principle as the universe or whatever. Um, there's something there's something about roulette that to him was like deeply connected to the, the way the universe works. Um, mm. Just made me think of that for some reason. Yeah, it's, I, that was such a great show. Amazing. Okay, so now we're looking at an image that captures a tense and vibrant moment at the Luxor Casino, <laughs> where the cursed roulette ball spins around the wheel, surrounded by a crowd of onlookers and gamblers. The scene is set under the casino's opulent Egyptian-themed decor with dim lighting, <laughs> adding to the atmosphere of mystery. I mean, that's, that's interesting. I mean, that's kind of crazy. It looks almost like the, the painting of Jesus eating at the, <laughs> you know, like the Last, last Supper. Supper. Yeah, has a weird. Um, I kind of, I feel like we need like a close up of the cursed ball, you know, like because I want to see what what a cursed roulette ball even looks like. Good idea. Let's get some camera angles in here. Show us a close, extreme close up angle of the. Sometimes the if you're if you go with shorter descriptions, they'll get you the the nice kind of frames. Yeah, show us a extreme close up angle of the cursed roulette ball. Okay, so you're saying show us an extreme close-up angle of the cursed roulette ball. All right. So I think maybe then we'll take a few of these prompts into Midjourney and see the difference. Okay, cool. And then and then we'll pick what we like the best and animate Sweet. a couple shots. This is fun. I got to do this more often. <laughs> I never really Isn't did this fun? before. It was it's, fun. It's cool to do it with with someone else because you're like you're bouncing stuff off of each other and then you're bouncing it off ChatGPT and you just create this thing that you don't even. Ooh! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Dude, good call, good call, dude. That's epic. It's like a cursed pokeball, roulette ball. <laughs> so the image presents an extreme close-up of the cursed roulette ball, showcasing its intricate details and the ethereal glow of ancient symbols and runes etched onto its surface. These mysterious markings suggest a supernatural origin and the unique texture and sheen under the casino's lights further distinguish it from an ordinary game piece. Close-up captures the eerie beauty and craftsmanship of the ball. I mean, yeah, it really is. This, it's really intricate design we got going on. That's it's really Indiana cool. Jones level stuff. I love it. I, I wonder if it knows what is cursed about it. Like what makes it cursed? Yeah, it's kind of scary to think that there's maybe a curse already written on it that we don't even yeah. know. <laughs> maybe, ask maybe ask it. Maybe ask it. Tell us. Tell us in what way the roulette ball is cursed and how it relates to the ghosts, you know, and get, and have it yeah. give us a couple ideas just, just so we know, you know, I want to know the lore behind this. So you're saying, tell us in which way the roulette ball is cursed and how it relate relates to the ghosts. The cursed roulette ball imbued with ancient symbols and glowing runes serves as a powerful conduit between the realms of the living and the dead. Ooh. It's curse originates from an old Egyptian ritual designed to harness the energies of the, of the underworld and, blind, and bind them to the physical object. The intricate symbols etched into the servers are not merely decorative, but are specific sigils that have been used throughout history to summon and communicate with spirits. They're, they're writing a whole novel about this thing. I love it. Here, here it is. The deal that Nicholas's Cage character makes with these ghosts involves the ball directly. <laughs> By agreeing to retrieve the ball for them from a place of power, the Luxor Casino, symbolically tied to ancient <laughs> Egypt and his mythical... Interesting that they went there. Duh, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> he unwittingly becomes a pawn in their game. The ghosts promise him the resurrection of his career, leveraging their ability to manipulate fortune and fate through the ball. However, this comes at a price. Tying Cage's fate to the ball and the whims of these spirits who have their own agendas and desires. 
Okay. Damn. That's a good one, man. I think I think we got a winner here. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um do we need to go into mid journey or should we just I want to okay. see how that how mid journey does does with the ball, but yeah, you tell me you tell me what's next. Like, we've got some frames, we've got a story. Like, what, what would you do? How would you get into mid journey? So, from here, um because you can't just go into mid journey and say like show us an extreme close-up angle of it, you know, because it wouldn't work the same way because yeah. it doesn't have all the backlog. So, what I would do is I would ask them, you know, give me a detailed prompt to use in mid-journey that will get us an image similar to the close-up of the cursed roulette ball. So I'd do something like that mm. and then would help really kind of detail out what it probably used to create that. So you said, give me a detailed prompt to use in mid-journey that will get us an image similar to the close-up of the cursed roulette ball. And it's saying, for a platform like MidJourney, where detailed and creative prompts can lead to highly specific and intricate images, crafting a prompt that vividly describes the cursed roulette ball is key. Here's a detailed prompt you can use. And it just gave you a prompt. Like, create an ultra-detailed, hyper-realistic image of a cursed roulette ball central in the frame with a focus on its ancient mystical symbols and glowing ru runes. The ball should exude a dark, ominous aura hinting at its supernatural origin and just sort of keeps going. All right. Okay, so we're so we, we're flipping over to MidJourney and we're going to just test out this prompt and see uh, see if MidJourney does any does any better with the with the roulette wheel. So I'm going to do slash imagine, which is the the start for the for the prompt, right? Um, and you want me to just paste it in, or how would you do it? Uh, yeah, I would just. I'm just curious to see if we just took the long winded prompt and pasted it in. Okay, cool. So we're just pasting in this long winded prompt from ChatGPT. It's like create an ultra detailed, hyper realistic image of a cursed roulette ball, and nothing else. No, you're not changing the model or the style or like anything. Uh, I would change the so just do a dash dash ar mm -hmm. and then uh, space sixteen colon nine. Okay, cool. And that's just the aspect ratio. That's ratio changed. correct. And um, here we go. I uh, I tested it out with a couple of uh, Nick Cage uh, <laughs> images, which nice. I think these are pretty good. <laughs> Those are pretty cool. <laughs> Ooh, starting to take shape. Looks pretty cool. Wow. What wow. do you think? Let's see. Um, I'm really digging. They're all really cool. The top right one is intriguing mm -hmm. and the bottom mm -hmm. right one. Those two, are, I, I think, are... I agree. I was going to say bottom right. I, I like this one, too. This is cool because of the sort of the contrast is really nice. Okay, so what would you do? Would you upscale? Would you do different yeah, versions? Yeah, I would or... upscale. I would okay. upscale, and, and then maybe we can try some different versions from the one we like. Okay, so we're going to do upscale two and four, and and then we would do different versions. So would you want me to, like, vary it, or how, how do you, very, how, how would yeah, you do I do it? very strong. Okay. Very strong. Work now. So we're going to hit some hit very strong. I actually, I mean, I hate to say it, but... I really like the ChatGPT version, but these are these are more cinematic. Like they're really something good going Seriously. on. Seriously, yeah. Oh yeah, I look right out of a movie. Yeah, uh, very strong here too. Mm -hmm. Okay, and do you think um, it would do a better job? Because we still don't have that shot of it going around the going around the wheel. Do you think that it would do a better job of that, or is that that pushing it too far? I would think so. I think it'd do a better job. Okay. And how do you get like the same roulette ball in the on the wheel? Is that possible, or do you have to kind of just fudge it a little bit? Yeah, that's when you kind of got to take it into like a Photoshop and fudge it. Um, I see. Because yes, yeah, so I mean the, the detail is so intricate. Right. It's not like a red a red shirt or a yellow hat or something, right. you know? Right. Right. But yeah, because it's a circular thing, that's an easy comp. Mm. Okay, so here's our variations of the first one. 
Wow. Really cool. Those are cool. It's like a, a time machine on the bottom bottom right. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, or like uh, you know those helmets that like divers wear. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting that too. And then this one. These feel a little bit like less cursed to me somehow. You know. Yeah. Like there might be something good in there. It might not be bad. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Indiana Jones treasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. What do we do? So I think, I mean, I, st- I still think I still did the original. Okay, cool. So let's do the original. So we're going to keep the original. And then what's the next step? Do we jump into runway or, or yeah, what do you do? Yeah, I think I'd bring them into runway. Maybe we'll do this image and then the, the one of the initial Nicolas Cage images, I think when he's surrounded by the ghost. Great. And we'll animate these two and see what we get. Let's do um, it. I'm psyched. Cool. All right. So so we've got we've got some images from ChatGBT. Uh, we've got an, a mid-journey image that we like, and uh, now we're gonna now we're gonna do some do some animating. Tell us. Um, looks like we're in runway. Tell us, like, give us a little bit of background for people that don't know about runway, and tell us what we're gonna do. Yeah, so runway is a great tool. You can actually go in here and do text to image to video right right in one app, which is awesome if if you're trying to create in a time crunch. What I like using it for is um, animating my more cinematic images. Uh, just because the level of control you have, they have this tool called the motion brush, which will show you um, mm. how you can really kind of show what part of the image you want to move and then how much you want it to move. So it's really cool. Mm. So we'll actually start with this image first. It's the uh, the Nicolas Cage <laughs> surrounded by the spirits um, as he's looking at <laughs> the Book of the Dead. This is an awesome image. I might, I'm going to send this to you so you can frame it. Please. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, Are you kidding me? I'm going to put it on YouTube. I'm going to get all the views. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Heck yeah, man. All right. So I'm going to click in the motion brush. So uh, motion brush is a, is a new tool that was released from uh, Runway. It's it's really cool. You're able to like select a brush and then um, basically like you color over areas that you want to move and then you're able mm. to tell what kind of movement you want to have. So mm. we'll start with brush one. We'll just kind of brush over Nick Cage. I think it'd be cool if he was just kind of like standing there. I give him a little bit of ambient movement, like a 0.5. Mm-hmm. Brush two. And ambient movement is sort of like his clothes are rustling or something or what is yeah, it? Yeah, like maybe his like hair is moving. Okay. Um so I'll do this. Um kind of like this is like that first And is it smart enough? Because you're kind of like, you know, you you nicked his head a little bit like Nick, Nick, Nick Cage's head. Nick, uh, like, is it smart yeah. enough to know, like, not, not to, that it's his head and you, you don't really want that? Or do you have to be really it careful is, about it? Um, yeah. The good news is, you know, I, I can go right back to brush and then fix it. Right, 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 right. So, okay. I, yeah, I kind of, but it's, it's pretty, it's not, so it's not so delicate. Yeah. Like, you can kind of, like, just as long as you get enough, and then we'll maybe do a third brush on this, the light from God. Ooh, I like that. What about the candles, too? Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Gotta have the candles flickering. Do a brush fork for the candles. So I just like to quickly go paint everything, Mm. and then I go back in and mess with the parameters. So Mm. we kind of already did in the cage. So for the ghost, you know, I want the the maybe some smoke to kind of go in the air. Mm. So I I, I use the uh, oops, I use the vertical brush, maybe a little bit. And then interesting. um, Okay, so that's gonna that's gonna push the ghost's mist up. Correct. Yeah. And I'll give okay. it like a two ambience. Um, and, and some of it is trial and error. I've been using yeah. it for a while, so I kind of know what I could get. Yeah. Uh, and then if you go to the 
the uh so i'm just gonna do a, a ambient noise up to like their proximity i'm gonna have the rays kind of feel like they're kind of coming towards us a little bit mm. and then for the candle light since it's such a simple movement i'll just do like a little bit of ambient noise there mm. and then uh and then that's it and then you just click done and then you can just generate you know i like i like to always like uh do five at a time mm-hmm. just because you don't know what you're gonna get interesting so we'll just hit five like you just hit generate five times correct yeah and i'm okay. on the unlimited plan so i'm also actually that. part of the uh the creative partners program at runaway so i got like a million credits i love that it. i still need to get through but <laughs> it's pretty awesome dude i'm so excited to see what this looks like <laughs> <laughs> me too me too it's like the perfect image to use a motion brush too, because it has the smoke, it has the the light rays. It's like yeah. built for like the motion brush. <laughs> so we should get something good, and we didn't we didn't even mess with camera movement. Um, mm. Actually, I'm gonna do one. I'm gonna do one just so we have an example of. Uh, let's do a zoom out. Okay. Uh, just to see what that gives us. That's uh, cool. Uh, I'll switch to my credits because unlimited. You can only generate five at a time, so you got to use your credits. Mm. And how long does it normally take to generate? Uh, like a single image, um, I would say on average like a like a minute, okay. something along those lines. Yeah, cool. Um, probably quicker if you're just doing one or two. But I I threw so many in there, <laughs> or, or generations at a time. It might take a little longer, but it's, it's okay. fairly pretty quick. Okay, cool. Yeah, and actually, I guess while we're waiting, like one of the things that I'm thinking about or keying on is um, there's this trope happening right now where, um, oh, oh. Should we go to it first? See what let's, we get? let's play it. I want to play it. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Look, Nick Cage kind of like leans in too. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> well, that was, that was the first one out the bat. I don't even want look at the rest. What else we got? <laughs> oh my God. That, but that's, and oh, like, this is a little bit more subtle. Nick Cage kind of like does a little mm-hmm. head tilt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But what people actually don't know is you can, act, what I actually do is I take like multiple generations into like a, a premiere and like mm-hmm. I layer them and like I take parts from each clip that I like better. Like I mm. might like the smoke, I might like the smoke here better, but I might like Nick, Nick Cage less than the other one. Right. So I'll be able to like just kind of mask him in. That's right. Really uh, cool. Let's go, maybe it's, oh, they're not ready yet. I was going to say, let's go to one of the, uh, the camera. Let's, let's check this and one. so these are all like kind of subtly different, but they're not. Oh wow, Nick Cage is sort of like changing. Yeah, this, yeah, this, one. yeah. This one, yeah, this one got kind of funky. <laughs> he doesn't even look like himself anymore. Yeah, I mean, maybe the, maybe they transformed him into another character in order to let him get to the Luxor <laughs> without being seen. You know, that's exactly. possible. Yeah. All right, now we got some camera movement ones. Let's see what we got. This is where I zoom out. Ooh, whoa. Even the light dims down that's too. That's pretty sick. cool. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, the motion brush is a pretty sick tool. I would be curious to do a zoom in, you know, because it's right, like it. it feels like he's opening the book, and we're kind of getting it like a tight shot on him. Um, Let's try it. Okay, great. And so, like, while we're waiting, like, is are you satisfied with this? Like, is this is this the kind of thing where you're like, okay, like this is good enough? I'll pick one of these or I'll pick a couple of them and I'll start getting into premiere and, and, and now moving on to my next, uh, my next generation. Or are there other things that you tend to do? Are, how long are you spending like playing around with all the different parameters and, and all that kind of stuff? 
Yeah. So, so I say because I've had so much time to play with these tools, like I kind, like I said, I kind of know how to dial them in, so I get to something I like quicker. Yeah. Uh, always do five at a time. So, like you said, sometimes you get lucky. The first one was money. Most yeah. times that's not the case, right? Sometimes it takes twenty. Right. Um, but I then bring it into like an upreser, like a topaz, and I would upscale mm-hmm. it to like four K. Right. Um, yeah, because that helps with quality. And then, uh, and then, and sometimes, like if I really want Nicolas Cage's likeness to to show to shine through, mm-hmm. I'll actually go back to the original image, mask in his real face, mm-hmm. and then use some of the movement from around his head so his face actually stays high quality. Mm, that's cool. Uh, that's what that's I was going to ask you about. Is um, I think there's this trope right now where you can do a viral AI movie or AI clip where you're using someone else or something else that's recognizable, and you're like, I want to do Star Wars, but in the style of Wes Anderson or whatever which I feel like we're, we're doing a little bit here. Cause it's, it's Nicholas cage. Like, is that legal? Like, are you allowed to do that? Like, what are the conventions are around, around doing all that stuff? Yeah, I think so. so I mean, you know, I, I, I partnered with uh, curious refuge. I'm actually teaching a AI advertising course with them and you know, they're, they're known for their viral star Wars video. You know, they're the ones who did the Wes Anderson star Wars video that became a thing. Um, and, and you know, it's, it, for me, it falls under parody law. Like you're kind of doing it as a parody. It's kind of like an SNL skit in a sense. You're not making money off of it like directly, right? Like I'm not going to go sell this and make a million dollars off of a Nick Cage generation. So right. I think as long as you do it ethically and do it under like a parody type idea, or like you said, like in a sizzle reel, if I'm trying to pitch a movie, um, I think all those fa- fall under like ethical parody laws. Got it. Okay. That's cool. Uh, all right. So we got our, we got it. our, our close up, our zoom in. Let's see it. Interesting. So it does his face. <laughs> See, this is this is an instance where I would mask in the real face. Yeah, and I don't like that the light is kind of going out as we're going in. You know, but yeah. but I think I think we've got we've already got a shot that's uh, his whole features are gone. Yeah, but but the pushing doesn't look too bad. Yeah, it, it that that I like the motion for sure. Um, I I think the original one with the camera movement zooming out was probably the best. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Um, so should we do the roulette ball? Yeah, let's do the roulette ball. Well, this is this is an this is a good this is an interesting question. So with the roulette ball or with the Nick Cage thing, there was an obvious motion element. But with the roulette ball, it's like a little bit unclear what the motion is gonna be. Like, is it gonna be yeah. the camera? Is it gonna be the light inside the ball? Like, how do you think about that? So usually like an image like this, I probably wouldn't do, I don't even know if I would go into motion brush. I think I would mm-hmm. just mess with camera controls mm-hmm. and mesh with uh, the motion control. So let, let's try that for this one. Okay. So it's more of a traditional way to use runway. Okay. So, and you can also give it a description, right? Like if you want like the light in the center to glow. Oh, cool. I want the light in. in the center to glow a, like a red color. So it, it like, it goes from yellow to like red like it's threatening you know yeah so i've actually never done that before the color change thing i'm interested to see what happens yeah uh so let's let's do that and let's give it like a should it be a zoom out or a zoom in well we had to zoom out on the last one so maybe we could try zoom in on this one all right we'll zoom in so that's set let's actually take it down just a little bit maybe we give it a slight camera roll so the camera's mm-hmm. going to kind of you know that's cool roll over i, th- I always like that move um, which goes to show like your tr- traditional filmmaking background, like it helps understand like a lot of these more technical, uh, type questions, but yeah, right. let's go ahead and generate five. My rule of five <laughs> and we'll see what we'll get. 
Oh, man. Because I talk to a lot of people, and they're like, dude, man, how does your stuff look like that? I go on runway, and my stuff looks like crap. It's all warpy. I was like, how many generations do you do? <laughs> well, just one. <laughs> like, you got to do a bunch. That's the That's thing the that I, I, I've been trying to underscore for people. I think it's true for ChatGPT. It's true for all these tools. Like, a, most of the stuff is bad. Some of it is amazing. And, like, I try to tell people... You can't just do one thing and then expect it to be amazing. You are you're a manager, you're a model manager, and your yeah. job is to is to get out of the model the best thing you possibly can. Like a manager would get the best out of, out of an employee, and so if it's not working, your job is to figure out how to make it work. And there are definitely techniques like what you're doing, which is like do five generations that are going to help you get to the stuff that's really amazing. And I think once people learn that, there's just going to be a, a sort of explosion in and people using this stuff because I, I think they just come into it with this expectation that it's just going to be magic on the first try. And it is magic, but it's takes a little bit more work than that. Yeah. The whole, the old, uh, one button press, you press one button and you get a movie like that. I, that's never going to happen. There's always going to be some kind of human intervention, but, uh, I, I think of it like, you know, it's almost like these are camera rolls. So you yell cut, you do another take. It's like kind of like the same idea. You do multiple takes and then you see what the best. Well, I see some red going on mm. <laughs> on, on this thumbnail. So definitely got the red right. <laughs> Let's see, man. I don't know. It might have worked. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, they did it. First That's try again, man. What I love heck? it. I love it. The AI Run, gods runway, are smiling on us today. Runway, runway, better send me a check, man. I'm part of the CPP, <laughs> make, making this thing look like money. <laughs> First try. Well, let's just see what else we got here. I see red on all of them, so it's maybe a different type Ooh. of glow. This is interesting. Yeah, I like that, I like that one a little better. That's nice. Because it doesn't get the last one got a little bit too red. It like went way like huge, and this no. one's a little more subtle, which is sort of interesting. Yeah, I like this little leak back here going on. It's kind of cool. Mm. Cinematic. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Let's check the third one. Ooh. Whoa. Whoa. It's crazy how it just goes these different directions. This is super overpowered red. Yeah. It goes to show, I like all of them differently, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you can use pieces of each, right? That's, right. that's the beauty of it. Like this one's great. Like, look at wow. that depth of field that you're getting. Yeah. I like that one. And we might have to make this Nick Cage movie happen. <laughs> I mean, these... I'm in, man. Can I be the EP? <laughs> yeah, these visuals are are incredible. This one gave us a little white light at the top. That's weird. Look at that little. It's almost like a ghost orb. It's like haunted. <laughs> this is cool. One. There you have it, man. <laughs> Your experiment. We works. got it. We got, we got it. it. So in, you know, in 60 minutes, 90 minutes, we went from nothing to a movie about Nicolas Cage resurrecting his dead movie career by interacting with a bunch of ghosts who sends him who send him to the Luxor to get a haunted roulette ball. And it's all on video. Like you can watch it. It's amazing. I love this. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Great, great idea. Great idea. Great execution. I think uh, it was a it was a team effort. We did a good job. Yeah, I I love this. I feel so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was I've, I've never done that before, especially like like on camera. So that was pretty fun. That's great. Um, and yeah, and and Blazing GPT works. <laughs> Well, if you make that public, we'll share a link. So, um, so yeah. let me know. Let me know about that. And um, as you have other things coming out, like 
please share them with me and share them with us. We'll, we'll make sure to, uh, to link people to them. I think, I think you're amazing. You're doing incredible work. Um, like you're super, super talented. Um, thank you for spending the time with me, with us for, for making our movie. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we'll have to actually make it into a real movie and put it on YouTube. So if, if you have some time, you want to do it, let me know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I appreciate you. I'm de- I'll definitely make a movie poster in the, in the interim. Just so you can have it, so you can when you launch this episode, you'll see the the Nick Cage movie poster. We got you come, we got to come up with a title. Maybe on Discord, we'll bounce Perfect. some ideas. Okay, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> Nick Cage at the Luxor sounds cool too, though. I love that. Yeah. Haunted Nick, Luxor. Nick Cage and the and the haunted roulette ball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome, dude. Cool. Uh, well, good to meet you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. absolutely positively have to smash that like button and subscribe to how do you use chat gpt why because this show is the epitome of awesomeness it's like finding a treasure chest in your backyard but instead of gold it's filled with pure unadulterated knowledge bombs about chat gpt every episode is a roller coaster of emotions insights and laughter that will leave you on the edge of your seat craving for more it's not just a show It's a journey into the future with Dan Shipper as the captain of the spaceship. So do yourself a favor, hit like, smash subscribe, and strap in for the ride of your life. And now, without any further ado, let me just say, Dan, I'm absolutely hopelessly in love with you.